When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. The battles that we Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast about a discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken. I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Bruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, I am so pumped. We are fresh off the heels of a local little local round robin tournament for our playgroup bi-weekly event. We had an excellent, excellent night. Seven players, a very fun evening, well represented, and a lot of good play going on and a lot of you know just a lot of cool dudes hanging yeah absolutely these have really taken off chris and i have kind of tried to lead the charge in the local area with getting league night tournaments going and making tournaments like work three rounds on a weeknight it's tough Mm -hmm. for everybody it is tough there's a lot of things you can do to streamline it and like get it slim and get it going and we've been doing that it's been great because we've been having like eight players show up and we have three rounds and like it's so awesome three rounds with eight players like that is very definite tournament math you know obviously you want to get higher than that eventually sure. it makes it very defined by the end of the night where everybody stands and kind of how things win and that round two and three especially get just really interesting with the like the sos and the oh, pairings. Yeah. it's just very like everyone's paired how it should be you know and then that third round is always just so fun yeah, it's been a great time for us because we've been experimenting with a lot of stuff. And obviously, you know that if you're following us on After Dark, we've been talking a lot about that on After Dark. The teams we've been bringing to these nights, the things we've been learning before we fully switch into our qualifier prep mode, quite honestly. And, you know, the cool part of this for me, Chris, is this has been qualifier prep mode, but not with my team, with other teams. But I've been treating it like I was going to take these other teams to a qualifier because now when I go to qualifiers, I could fight against that Brotherhood player. Oh, yeah. Fight against that Hydra player, stuff like you, that. Yeah, you know? you know what they can do. You know the limits on the characters. So it's been a fun exercise for me, and it's going to continue for a while. Yeah, I've been focusing on X-Force still. I don't know if I'm going to punish myself and start taking X-Force to qualifiers again or not, But like last year. But it's looking like I likely will. Uh, so you're welcome, everyone I play against. But uh, <laughs> hey, uh, I look, I'm playing good games. But say, yeah. Or with them. I'm playing, I'm playing, my, my play has never been this high level. I'll say that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And in entry MCP fashion, I mean, you've been on a lot of stints of some powerful teams lately. Your X Force win rate and play still like dwarfs all those teams. Like, it's I mean, weird, you, right? played, you, you played Guardians, you played Mystique Brotherhood, you played a bunch of teams, and none of them are catching up to your X Force. So there's something there. It's definitely the that thing we've always talked about on the show: play what you love and play what you know. It's going to always be better than what someone's telling you in the meta is the greatest thing or or whatever. And that's been the case, right? Definitely, Chris. Because I mean, we know Guardians are like top in the meta. I won some games with Guardians. Oh, it's just nothing like your X Force. Like I know, you know, I know. I don't know what it is. X Force definitely has a very, very nice roster. X Force has a very lackluster leadership. Uh, has a five threat leader. There's a lot of things going against the X Force, but that roster mm-hmm. on the right crisis setup is ridiculous. Psylocke, Laura, Honey Badger, Logan. Psylocke was just like a massive shot in the arm deck source. I mean, it's yes, just, it's huge. absurd. It's absurd. So yeah, it's just, it's just funny. And that this is kind of turning into After Dark, which is funny. So you're getting a little taste of what After Darks are like, but you know, Chris, uh, your X-Force win rate and your Spider-Foes win rate, highest of everything you've ever done, like at tournament levels and local levels. Yeah, I could have played Spider-Foes a lot better though. Um, you watch, you watch a, a guy like Moobs Jones play Spider-Foes and, or Spider-Foes pardon me he's making everybody trigger traps five times around it's ridiculous and you know i never i never got to that level of play with them turns out unblockable damage is good we were just talking yeah, about this off we were mic. just talking about that <laughs> it's a really good way to reduce dice variance and it's another reason why i've always talked about how much i love throws right because you as the attacker i say in quotes because you're throwing the enemy you're just getting guaranteed amount of hits right and then you're then you put the onus on your opponent's defense dice right so there's nothing better then knowing you have that throw to get that guaranteed one damage on a character by throwing them into something or Love someone it. else, another character, that that is the best way to take a character off the table. There's no dice involved. They just, they're it's just gone. Yeah. And sometimes you get some terrain blown up with it too, which is just fun. Well, yeah. Cool. Mystique so. brings, Mystique and characters like that bring some options. Oh yeah. Mystique and Punisher always could blow up something and just get you with that. Just take well. you off the table. Yep. Well, Chris, we were returning to S.H.I.E.L.D. today. It's super exciting because uh, we've had a lot of good feedback on this series. A lot of people have been telling me they've been learning a lot about how to play S.H.I.E.L.D. and play against S.H.I.E.L.D., which I think is awesome. But that's on the strategy side. But on the lore side of things, I think a lot of these characters are characters we all know or have seen on covers and stuff. Oh, yeah. And we just frankly don't know a ton about them in the sense of like their deeper lore. You know, we kind of know they're like tertiary top level origin story stuff or kind of like what their role is. That's about it, you know? Well, today we're going to help enlighten you guys on Jim Hammond, the original Human Torch. We're going to talk about where he comes from, what he represents in comics, his themes, what you're going to expect from his stories, you know, and the and the folks around him that, that made him interesting. And he's got some, guys, this character's around since the 30s. Absolutely insane. But before we get to lore today, let's tend to a little bit of business. <laughs> Fury's Finest is supported by Mr. Laser. Go to mr-laser.square.site for all of your Marvel Crisis Protocol needs. Fury's Finest is also supported by iWarGame. Go to iWarGame.net for the best marked mats in the business. We, in fact, used them last night at our local event. Thank you, iWarGame. Thank you. And of course, Fury's Finest is not possible without the love and support and adulation of our patrons, if you would like to become a Furious Finest patron, please go to patreon.com slash Furious Finest. Just a little bit a month can really go a long way. Of course, you'll gain access to the Discord, access to the 
to the Fury Finest Secret Wars League, uh, as well as some other benefits. Uh, and the Secret Wars League is, is spicy right now, so pretty good <laughs> stuff going on. Yeah, it's real spicy. And of course, too, the next league, we're about to cut for the top eight of the Secret Wars League. So now would be a good time to jump on if you want to get on the next Secret Wars League. And of course, more behind the scenes with Dylan and the painting gallery with no name and all kinds of stuff like that, which uh, keep in mind. Well, you get to vote. Anybody can enter in the yeah. painting gallery with no name. The painting gallery is ending as we speak. It's oh, literally ending for buddy. this for this rotation of a two threat characters. So Dylan episode coming up. Yeah, we are going to be talking about all these entries very soon. How exciting. So exciting. I'm so excited to see what people do with two threats. And of course, Chris, we got to thank our patron of the week, Glenn. Thank you so much, Glenn. Thanks, Glenn. And of course, every week a big shout out to our Avenger level producers. Thank you so much to Rusty, Dylan, Rich, Jason, Puyon, Charles, and Sean J. Thank you, Avengers. All right, Chris, let's get into this very interesting classic Marvel lore today. Super classic. The original Human Torch, James Jim Hammond. This guy's been around for a long time. He's part of the original three heroes. Of, from Timely Comics. So Timely Comics, of course, would eventually, after a couple, at least one other name, would become Marvel. And the Human Torch is originally introduced with like Captain America, Namor, Human Torch, right? These are their, this is their big three heroes. And, and interestingly enough, the other two are still around and major players. And what happened to Jim Hammond? That's right. Chris, I guess we should get all pretense out of the way while we're here. Okay, if anyone's okay. new... I'm going to ask the very basic question. Oh, yes, please. Which I'm sure we're going to get into in this lore more. It is confusing. His name is the Human Torch. Yes. Well, he's the original Human Torch. So this is going to be part of the publication thing, right? Uh, Human Torch was introduced in Timely Comics. He's going to have his run with the Invaders. He's originally going to come around uh, as the the yin to Namor's yang, right? fire right. and water type thing going on here. Then they're going to fight in World War II, yada, yada. But eventually, Timely is going to become Marvel. Our boys, Stan Lee and all these guys are going to get get a hold of the character. And they're going to repurpose his powers and his name for Johnny, for the Fantastic Four. And the original Human Torch is kind of just on ice for a while. But we'll, we'll get into it. He's... yeah. He's kind of a big driver behind the scenes for some stuff, but he just hasn't, you know, it's more in that he's the MacGuffin type of thing. He's kind of the the plot line device. He's never, you're never going to get like, do what you do in his solo stories, of course. But in the team books, yep, he's, he's not exactly your main focus. So let's talk about the human torch. Let's talk about Jim's powers here. Jim Hammond is a synthetic being. He's an android. He's a synthesoid. Whatever you want to say, he is vision before vision, uh, syn- like synthetic human molecules. But for all intents and purposes, he's human. Except he can be assembled and or disassembled and reassembled and messed with oh. in all kinds of ways. But he still has emotions, thoughts, wants, needs, desires. And I guess that's exactly like you just said with Johnny, like another pop culture, real world, like precursor thing you know precursor to the human torch in fantastic four precursor vision it was a big character in marvel and there are some stories here of the human torch you know being what vision is based on there was a time in marvel when vision was actually a one of jim hammond's like spare android bodies tinkered with uh that's been retconned of course but yeah he's 
he's been around, you know, and he's been used uh, and he's shown up. It's just never for very long. Uh, he has the ability to envelop his body in fire, fiery plasma. He can kind of control fire and he can fire this off in, in bursts, concussive bursts, all kind, you know, whatever you can think of as an author with fire control, he can probably do it. He's got some energy absorption stuff going on due to his Android nature, but that's, you know, that's a little, little murky because it's, you know, from the sixties. Torch can take a lot of punishment in the form of energy attacks. Think someone like Bishop. He survived like a direct nuclear bomb, like explosion comes out stronger for it. I mean, think of like Hulk absorbing gamma, things like this. This is a very popular trope in Marvel comic books, absorbing, absorbing power and letting it all out or, you know, it causing problems down the line, but torches, torches, all of these things, but he's also a trained police officer. He's uh, been with the NYPD, joined the NYPD in the forties. Eventually while well, he was kind of hiding his powers and his Android nature, but eventually the chief decided they needed a, a, a superhero to combat uh, superpowered villains on the force. So eventually he was an NYPD police officer in his torch form, not hiding anything. And uh, last but not least, very important for his story, but kind of mundane, he doesn't need oxygen. Well, the only thing he needs oxygen for is fire control. So torch Jim, if you will, Definitely a pretty powerful character, but there's no there's a no shortage of those in the Marvel 616 universe. All right, Jesse, let's talk about this first appearance. As I said, Human Torch has been around for a long time. He was created by writer and artist Carl Borgos. He's going to first appear in Marvel Comics number one in October 1939, published by Timely Comics. The original Human Torch is going to debut in modern Marvel comics in Fantastic Four annual number four. And that's going to be in November of 1966. He's going to get iced for a long time. Wow. And then Stan, Stan and Jack are going to drag him back up. So let's get into this character's lore. Jesse, it's not going to take us too terribly long on this one. Not, not a ton, but we're going to get through it. I'm going to bring you guys up to speed a little bit. And bonus, we're going to get to talk about the invaders. There it is. Shouts, Ghost Bear. So Jim is going to be created by Professor Phineas Horton. What a name. I'm just going to change my name to Phineas. Great name. It's created in Brooklyn, of course, for quote unquote scientific purposes. At the press conference, the torch is going to be exposed to oxygen on accident and burst into flames. Then he's going to show his human-like sentience personality and awareness by trying to avoid causing a lot of damage. He's going to show empathy, all these things. Of course, though, he is a flaming android. So naturally, he's going to be met with, you know, pitchforks. He's a monster. He's going to inadvertently cause a lot of damage uh, after being woken up. And he's going to understandably be rather confused throughout his history. Jim is going to be used by people. He's going to be brought back out of stasis and in his confusion, going to be exploited. This is going to happen over and over with Torch. This happens the first time Torch is around. Phineas is going to try to get him to do some, you know, not great stuff. Eventually, he's going to figure this out and he's going to make it right. Jim is a, Jim Hammond is a very moral character, lots of empathy. He is very, very on board for helping everyone equally. 
I, I like that a lot about him. So now Torch is going to be involved in the in the Marvel universe. This is the first ever superhero fight. He's going Whoa. to fight against Namor, the Submariner. Like I said, they are they awesome. are yin and yang. It is water and fire. It is, but oddly enough, Namor is the fiery attitude, right? And Jim's the calm one. There's just so many things going on thematically here. <laughs> so uh, they're going to fight. Eventually, they're going to patch it up, of course, and because they're going to have to join Captain America and Bucky Barnes in World War II to become the invaders, and they're going to fight the Nazis. There it is. Oh, you love it. Yep. They're going to have a lot of team bonding, and this is explored a lot later a lot more. And then in just those early invaders comics, uh, there's a lot of flashbacks with Jim Hammond and Namor in modern comics. And it's really good invaders volume three. I do believe Jim is not a main focus, but it is an excellent, excellent little series involving all these characters. And I recommend it. So the torch submariner, captain America, Bucky Barnes, they're going to be joined by the wizard and at sometimes spitfire. Uh, throughout the war. After the war is over, they're going to kind of break up. Uh, Spitfire stays in England. Torch, Submariner, Captain America, Bucky, they're going to join with Miss America, and now they're going to join with the Wizard here in America, kind of keep the invaders going. Uh, More of a superhero team now than just like a a, a war effort. They're going to be branded the All Winners Squad, Jesse, (laughs) a very 40s name. All we do is win, win, win. (laughs) All we do is win, 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 no matter what. And to illustrate this point, Jesse, (laughs) in Marvel Comics, do you want to know who is responsible for bringing down Adolf Hitler? Who's that? Why, it's Jim Hammond, of course. Not Captain America. No, Cap's around. So in this particular version of events, Hitler's pulling like a Magar the Cruel type thing. He's going to try to blow up Berlin and everyone in it uh, because he lost so he's lunged as torches there, you know, w- climactic final battle. Uh, Adolf is kind of reaching, lunging for the red switch to, to blow everything to smithereens and torch torches him, dude. Wow. To save everyone else, you know, greater good, whatnot. So sometime after this torch is going to be put on ice. He's going to be de- deactivated in the Mojave desert. But I think it's a very important to know that during this deactivation, uh, he's got some kind of uh, information feeding device. He's keeping up, right? He He's keeping up with uh, modern events as he's on ice. He's not in completely unconscious, but he's not like, it's not like you or I sitting down there, you know, in awake and being tortured every day. It's, it's something in between. But during this time, there is, uh, I have to tell you about Toro. Toro is the Torch's sidekick, much like Bucky Barnes. Toro has very, very similar powers to Jim. He is not an android, though. He is a mutant. Uh, not the first mutant, because that's Namor. But he does have fire fire powers almost exactly like Torch. So they're just two flames shooting across the sky. Pretty cool. But during this time, while Torch is on ice in the Mojave Desert, Toro is going to be captured by the Soviets. He is going to be brainwashed into a communist. Goodness gracious. Around the same time, there's going to be a nuclear test in the Mojave Desert. This is going to this is going to wake Torch right back up. And Torch, of course, is going to go rescue Toro. Toro is going to recover from the brainwashing, everything. They're going to save the day. 
But unfortunately, that nuclear blast, I mentioned earlier, Jesse, that uh, we've got some energy absorption going on here with Torch. Hmm. Well, after he woke up, his powers were a little bit kicked up a notch, right? But due to this radiation and this power absorption, not only are his powers kicked up, but they're more unstable. So he is effectively going to deactivate himself again because he feels that he's a a danger to himself and a danger to others uh, with those unstable flame powers. So this is going to bring us into Marvel Comics. That was his time in Timely Comics. We're not going to get as in-depth with his Marvel Comics runs because, honestly, you should read them. So I mentioned before, one of these themes is manipulation. The Mad Thinker is going to reactivate the Human Torch, and he's going to convince him, convince Jim, that Johnny, the other Human Torch, the unoriginal Human Torch, is stealing his powers and is a bad guy and must be defeated. The Fantastic Four must be defeated. Of course, Jim wisens up to this, and uh, the Fantastic Four and Jim Hammond defeat the Mad Thinker. What a name. What a name. So now we're going to enter in to why John Byrne brought the torch back. So it's going to be revealed that one of the rogue Ultrons, Ultron 5, got a hold of one of Jim's kind of other bodies uh, that Professor Horton had and created Vision with it. So we have this original human torch leading into the, the creation of Vision And once again, this is going to be the Human Torch playing a major role in the universe, but not necessarily a major role in the comic or in the story. Uh, He's going to pal around, showing up here and there, kind of going through activation and deactivation cycles. But eventually, he's going to stay awake. He's going to become the chief chief of security for Oracle, Inc., and of later, the CEO of Oracle, Inc., a security company, of course. You know, he's a former cop, a former soldier. This makes sense. But it's during this time where (laughs) some time travel shenanigans uh, with the Avengers Forever and Avengers are going to create two human torches through uh, some weird time crystal shenanigans. Okay. One human torch will become Vision. See, he keeps on getting tied to Vision. Yep. Uh, But of course, that's all going to get retconned again. Later on down the line... Oracle Inc. is going to fold, Heroes for Hire is going to disband, and Hammond's going to head Citizen V's V Battalion. He's also going to become the field leader for the new invaders. He's going to develop a little interest, not romantic, in another android named Terra. Unfortunately, this is really this is really tough. It's it's the it's seeming we've got this father-daughter dynamic going on. We've got some some strong emotional strings forming. Maybe some holes in in each other's lives are being filled, but unfortunately, Terra was created by the Red Skull, and it all went bad. And this is going to lead, of course, to a fight. Skull is going to exploit Jim's, you know, feelings and and attachment and empathy for Terra. Uh, Jim is going to take a massive, massive energy blast, and what do you know? He's going to fly up into the atmosphere, detonate to save everyone. This is just, this is what he does. This is, this is how you end the human torch, an original human torch story with him going back on ice. This is why he's, you know, Namor goes back to Atlantis, but he's still around. You know, he can just show up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain America's always around. Human torch gets iced for years and years at a time. So the other two major, major stars to this day 
maybe even bigger now than they were back then, thanks to the MCU. But the original Human Torch just can't just can't match that, right? So uh, the torch is going to be his remains are going to be recovered by the UN. Of course, they're going to be stolen, and Zhang Chen is going to use the torch's biochemistry to create a virus that is going to cause infected persons to just spontaneously combust. Captain America Bucky Barnes, Captain America, which I honestly, I hope we get a uh, Bucky Barnes Captain America in MCP Mm. one of these days. Yeah. Uh, So Bucky uh, as Cap is going to save him. Of course, Bucky as Cap, we all know, happens during the Ed Brubaker run, which is just absolutely fantastic. So we're going to wrap things up with the Human Torch. There is some, there is more in modernity. He has shown up, but like I said, there's like three volumes of the invaders in modernity. I think you should read them. They're all good. Uh, they're all going to deal with the human torch and some super interesting themes on, on what friendship means and responsibility outside of friendship. When friends are on opposing sides of a conflict, things like that. it's just, it's, it's really interesting. A very, very interesting read. Jim's going to be around for a while. He's going to, uh, most notably with the uh, invaders and the all new invaders. Okay. But he's he's definitely around more so. This is a lot, you know, I feel like we have this talk a lot with some of these legacy characters. Legacy characters that uh, Marvel is really really trying to find a home and footing for some of these legacy characters in modern comics. And I I applaud that. It's not always great, but it never is, right? I think it's a, a wonderful thing to try and uh, I encourage people to you know, do your best to look into some of this stuff and see if these, any of these characters speak to you. Like I said, we've we've kind of established the basis for Jim Hammond, the Human Torch. Here, uh, there's a lot of sacrificing himself for others. There is a lot of him being manipulated and then having to confront his own actions and the the people behind that manipulation. Uh, and there's a lot of, like I said, themes with responsibility towards friends and teammates. And uh, and battle brothers, you know, it's it's some very interesting themes, and they really do really does kind of make you think. Well, honestly, Chris, I mean, all that said, I mean, he's kind of like the penultimate legacy character, right? Because he is in a lot of ways one of these Inception characters of Marvel. I mean, he is literally an eighty-five-year-old character, and that's crazy. I mean, the fact that he's even around at all in any some sort of any sort of notable way which is obvious because he's notable for our our purposes today. We are talking about him on our very feed, our very show. He is a model in Marvel Christ Protocol. But of course, just like you said, him even being around in lore at all is kind of insane. Like, I mean, this is one of those, like, it's what I think about sometimes when I really think about like how old like Batman and Superman are and how successful yeah. they still are, right? I mean, he's not on their level by any means, no. but it's like, but the amount of time and pop culture that has happened since his inception is impressive. You know, and he's been there for some of it. And let's not, let's not discount the fact that his character design led to one <laughs> right. of the members of the first family of comics, right? Right. Directly, not just, I mean, everything, everything about his powered up superhuman form is directly like taken and given to Johnny Storm. Well, and just like think about Vision and how prolific he is in the MCU storyline, right? Oh, like Vision gosh. Vision being played by Paul Bettany at that level and like some of the characteristics of that character, that android that can feel things that is, you know, a real being, you know. Oh yeah. And man. all this synthetic who's a real being. All this started with this character. It did. It's great. And I and I have to say, I'm gonna go ahead and get into our my comic recommendations for this one for the week. 
Well, we can skip MCU because there is yeah, no Yeah, because he's not there yet. And we'll see if he ever is. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I, I do want to say the first appearance, Fantastic Four Annual number four. That reemergence of him. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting read. It is in the middle of... The Inhumans saga, uh, which we've been talked, we've talked a lot about, uh, talked about a lot recently as we're coming off the Inhumans. But this is during the time of Johnny searching for Crystal, mm. so you're gonna get uh, Lockjaw appearances. Nice, you know, and it, man, Lockjaw is drawn so interesting back then too. And it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's an interesting comic to see how they wanted to bring him in, and also just how intertwined those. The, I mean. There's shades of four or five major storylines going on just in that one book. And it's mm. all tied together and it's all presented well. And, you know, it's classic art, everything like that. It's it's cool. It's it's definitely worth the read, even if you're not a huge fan of the kind of classic books. I, they're very wordy, right? Right. So I am not a huge fan of going back and reading classics. I do it, but it's not something I love to do. I kind of enjoyed this one. Not that it was anything mm. crazy good or anything, but it was it was pretty enjoyable. But I also want to recommend Invaders Now, All New Invaders Volume 1 and All New Invaders Volume 3. I haven't read Volume 2 yet. I think it's probably good, but it's part of the original Sin storyline. I know I've okay. read it in my past, but I, I don't. I'd have to re- I didn't have time to revisit to give it a wreck or not, but volume three is awesome, dude. Okay. Yeah. And maybe we'll get invaders in Marvel crisis protocol with the arrival of Namor. And oh stuff. my gosh. I was talking, talking last night. We were talking about that at the, uh, we were at the, the tournament and yeah, we could add, we could add spitfire. Think about like a classic young Bucky. You could throw a Toro in there, maybe wow. a two threat torch style character, a two threat Bucky. Spitfire. I'm not sure what she would be. Shoot, man, bring the wizard back. Let's go. I think Namor would bring a lot to this game. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait to see like what his they power do level, with him, the, his the power direction level, they choose. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm very curious and very excited about the potential of that. Same, but yeah, that's gonna wrap up lore today, Jesse. All right, very cool, classic legacy character of Marvel, and of course, one of those guys that was right next to Cap, just like we did last week with the Fury and the Howling Commandos. These yeah. guys were in World War II fighting the Nazis together. Major, major players. Yeah, major players. So super cool. That, yeah, that Invaders Volume 3 deals a lot with that. Perfect. It is the invaders trying to calm down Namor and you know stop this giant, giant catastrophe led by Namor. It's very, very good. All right. Great recommendations, Chris. It's time to get over to strategy and talk the original Human Torch. Oh, that's exciting. His name is the original Human Torch. I love that AMG has already future-proofed this. And person who's typing in the comment right now online about the Fantastic Four, just take this as a direct sign because we know the naming rules in MCP, right, Chris? And like being able to field models. Oh, yeah. Very clearly, his alter ego is Jim Hammond, not Johnny Storm. And I also like that they added the original in there. It just adds a level of gravitas to his place in the lore. But also just, to me, it kind of just speaks volumes about Johnny coming in the future, quite honestly. Yeah, there's no way. Like both aspects of this, the primary name and the alter ego, right? It's just like, but let's go through his stats real quick. He's a three threat character. He's on a small base with a move of medium and he's a size of two. So he's standard there and all that. His defenses are interesting. Three physical, four energy, two mystic. He has a stamina of five on his healthy side and a stamina of five on his injured side. So um, thoughts about these stats for a three threat, Chris? He's a little fragile. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, he's a specialist. 
He's a classic three threat. I love the four energy. The two mystic makes me a little worried because I am a heavy practitioner of Psylocke and I would just be chomping at the bit to to get her within range two of him. Yeah. Yeah. He's very basic. I like that. We know the three threat template, the three, 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 five stamina, small base, medium move. That's all here, except they went three, four, two. So they just shifted Mm -hmm. the, the three around. And quite honestly, Chris, I mean, defense dice are going to defense dice. They're terrible. Yep. So two is not that different from three, but four is more different from three because of this crit potential. Four, and it's four on energy, right? So don't let me put my foot in my mouth here, but that has some pay to flip potential. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And that that is how I've used him in some some areas. Also, he is a very cool counter to a couple things that mm-hmm. are showing up in the game these days. So let's move on to his attacks and his interesting suite of superpowers. You and I, of course, covered him on the news roundup so long ago. And it was a very exciting news roundup because we were like, man, this is like, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in this character. And I think there a lot is. of it- There just, still is. You still don't really know until you get him to the table. But let's talk about his first attack. It's an energy attack very welcome in a game that's lacking a lot of energy attacks it's called burn baby burn it gives me some like some uh some brain stuff going on with my mm-hmm. reaching to my past i mean first of all you got the tramps some classic disco but then later starcraft you know it's just like the hell bats and fire bats these are these are direct quotes you know which is great it's an iconic line well and of course blaze from heroes of the storm yep the the only named fire bat that's right <laughs> I, was, I was pretty i was pretty good at him at He's once fun. upon a time so some classic stuff here, which is great. And, you know, very interesting attack because it is a beam three, strength of four, zero power cost gainer attack. A beam gainer attack is very cool. It's a little, it, yeah, I was going to say kind of tricky, kind of high skill cap, but I mean, it's fun. It can be pretty good. After each attack is result, very similar to vision. We're seeing a lot of themes here. This character gains one power and on a wild, you will get emulate. After each attack is resolved, the target character gains incinerate if you got that wild. So four dice, not a lot, but man, Chris, we've talked about the power of gainers on the show and a beam gainer is even better because the way I look at it is I'm like, oh, I just laid this over two or three characters. That's just three power. I just, oh yeah, right. Exactly. Now, if any of these dice spike, now we're really cooking with gas and fire. At that point, at that point, I'm just hoping for incinerates. I'm not even, I'm not even hoping. Yeah. uh, I'm not, I'm not even counting on any damage getting through on a four dice attack. I'm just hoping to roll a wild in that four dice. No, absolutely. And this is the nuts and bolts of his kit. This, this ability, you're just going to be doing this a lot. And even some of the superpowers directly relate to this. Let's talk about his next attack, Jesse. It is another energy attack. Wouldn't you know? It is Nova Burst. It is a beam two, which is weird. We don't have many beam twos. No. Strength four, power cost of one. When this attack is chosen during the pay power cost step of the attack, this character may spend up to seven additional power. Add one die to each attack made for each power spent this way. After each attack is resolved, the target character gains the incinerate special condition. If this attack deals damage after each attack is resolved, this character suffers one damage. There's a lot going on here, but the way I see it, this is a guaranteed way to get incinerate on someone. Yeah, because you don't even have to do this whole buff up the attack with power clause. It's just, just put- like uh, it's just like domino, right? You're paying one yeah. for a guarantee for four, a chance with four dice, yeah. and you're guaranteeing the incinerate. So part that is rough about this one obviously beam two beam two and then the, he takes damage if he deals damage but 
that's okay if you have all the power to dump into this, right? Well, this is two things, Chris. Like, it's one, what you just said, send Sentry on command, which is great. Just be prepared to take one damage, mm-hmm. right? And then number two, it's a massive, massive short range attack on one to two targets, essentially. You might get lucky and get three, unlikely. That's just when everyone's like base to base to base. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like just a bunch of people base to base to base. But think about it in the way of it costs one and you really want to buff it up all the way. Say you just flipped and you're like super flush on power. Yep. You could spend one power, declare this, and up to seven to buff up the attack to take your dice up to 11 dice, but that would cost you eight power. That's a lot. Well, if you've got two different characters under that beam, it might be worth it. Because that's, yeah, I mean, that's just 22, 22 raw freaking dice. dice. Yeah, it's just so good, right? And you might also not care because he's on his injured side and you're like, well, he's not counting for objectives. Like, let's just, yeah, let's just like remove models. This is a good way to do that. Um, I don't really think this is like, this is for sure the weakest part of his kit because it is so dicey, but you can determine how many dice you add and how much you want to risk, which I think is very cool. It's just everything else on his kit is just so good. It's hard to justify spending power for this outside of the, the thing that Chris mentioned, which is just pay one to give incinerate on command, maybe give two models incinerate, which has a little bit cooler, higher ceiling than dominoes um, in the sense of just passing out more incinerates, right? Because you would put right. the beam down, get two characters. But outside of that, it's just a finisher when you're in a tough spot or you just really want to maybe even Hail Mary and get back in the game. You could maybe really blow some characters out with this and, you know, lay this down on Rocket and Groot, declare Groot first, remove him from the table, and then blow Rocket up when he doesn't have his bodyguard, right? Mm. That's worth it. That's That's worth dumping all your damage. And let's say you take two damage from that. Well, that's fine. He might go down now, but he did his job, right? And we got to move on to his superpowers because I really think this is the true power of his kit. Uh, His first superpower is an active superpower called Hit and Run, We've been talking about it since the early core set days. It costs two power. It also takes an action to do. So action. This character immediately makes an attack action followed by a move action. The super can only be used once per turn. So this is that inverse charge. We love it. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Goblin has it. We we know how powerful it is on him. Bullseye. All these characters. Cyclops. That, yeah. Just flighty. You know, where it's like, I don't know. And also hit and run is a very cool defensive ability, Chris, because quite frank, you know, a common play pattern with characters with hit and run while while they're scoring stuff and you don't want them to lose the scoring ability. It's cool that they can lock up medium, hit and run, move back medium and continue scoring what they were already scoring. But at least they got an attack off. Right. It's just like a very you can do the same with charge. Like you can like charge and then walk back. Right. And yeah. That's always good. But hit and runs the same way. You just got to think about it in the opposite terms. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like that's like say I have an extract on torch and he's sitting on a secure, but I still want to like try to contribute to the fight. That's a perfectly fine way to contribute to the fight. Walk up, declare hit and run, do a burn baby burn, go back and keep scoring those two points, right? Winning you the game, <laughs> right? It's true. Points win the game. Points win the game. All right, Jesse, it's time to talk about his next superpower. It is another active superpower. It is too hot to handle. It will cost you three power. Choose an enemy character within range two of the original Human Torch. The chosen character drops one asset token it is holding. Yep, we love this one. Um, I think I'm the only person in our local city state that really plays Torch. We've all gone with the vernacular of calling this the touch, yeah. <laughs> like Torch's touch. And it's a weaker version of Black Cat's touch, and that's okay. The part that is tough about it is cost three. That's tough on a character with only gainers, but not hard to do when everybody starts clumping up because you just start beaming it away, getting plenty of power. The other tough part of this is notice the clause, they drop one asset 
token. It does not say civilian. I guess the theme here is if you're got a scroll or spider civilian in your arm, Torch does not want to burn them too, right? Burn them um, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause he's a good guy. So I like the theme, but it also is very restrictive. You have to think in the terms of, oh, we're playing spider infected. Torch's best ability is turned offline for me right? This is his Correct. best ability. Spoiler alert. <laughs> we know how powerful making characters drop assets without rolling dice is, right? This also technically costs four, right? Because if you really want to pick up the asset, you would have to have one more power, right? Keep it in mind of those terms as well. You really want to do this when you got four power and you really only want to be on a mission that's assets, but man, this is absolute fire, quite literally, like pun intended, something like that on cubes. Hammers. Yeah, hammers, where it's like, an objective that's an asset that you can hold multiple of. Nasty. This is like this is really nasty. This is like not as good as something like Rhino's Robbery, but it's up there. You know, where it's like Rhino's Robbery is extra powerful in those scenarios too, because they drop all the cubes, they drop all the hammers. Torches, they only drop one. But what's super cool is you could pay for this twice. I like that. Make them drop two hammers, right? It's a closer ability too, Chris. Like if you just flip my torch, be ready to know that now you gave him most certainly enough power with being flipped and the power phase to do two hot to handle this next round, right? Correct. So it's it's good. I was going to say, this feels like one of those, you almost want him to get flipped. So he's powered up to wreak some havoc. Yeah, most certainly. And it also feels like too, that AMG has made this model later in the life cycle of the game. Black Cat just takes it on to her. She doesn't have to pick it up right. And it doesn't matter what it is. Torches has been an asset. It drops on the ground. Then he picks it up. It sounds like they have been future-proofing a lot. And this is an example of that, right? This is like, quite frankly, not as powerful as the other steals, but still a steal nonetheless that should always be respected. Absolutely. All right. We got a few more to talk about here, Jesse. And I like this next one a lot in concept, but I'm not sure. Feels like he's got too many other things he (laughs) needs to do with his power than to use this. This is a reactive superpower. It's called like touching a stovetop. It's going to cost you two power. When an enemy character would push or throw the original human torch, after the effect is resolved, the original human torch may use this superpower. The character that causes the effect suffers one damage. So throws are a huge part of this game right now. Pushes are a huge part of this game and always have been. Yep. This is a really, really nice tech against those, making making your opponent pay some sort of price for doing it to you. But the lack of consistent power generation on this character with hit and run, too hot to handle, Nova burst. I don't know. It's, it, it doesn't feel like this is super high on the priority list, but I love I love that this power is in the game and I kind of yeah. want to see more of it on yeah, other it's characters. it's shockingly interesting. You're right, Chris. Like It's shockingly different. Those little damage adds up. It's huge, yeah. Especially ones that, that cannot be blocked in any way, shape, or form. Like This is one if, of those. If they just take, there's like maybe three characters that can deal with this. You know, like I'm thinking like Bill and anyone else who can reduce to zero. Yeah, but, yeah. But, th- but still, you're making them pay to do it, right? Obviously, the highest swing of this is you could stop someone in their tracks in the middle of their turn. Absolutely yes. insane, right? And yes. at, a, at a tournament setting or a qualifier, you should absolutely do that. And that those are the type of like little plays that make you win or lose games at tournaments, right? Where it's like, oh, I'm, they're going to throw Torch away medium. He's like, well, you threw him. He lived because he does have to live for you to be able to yes. use this, right? And then you would pay two power and like maybe that actually dazes them in the lower activation. Absolutely amazing. But like Chris said, they have kind of built in a 
economy within this character with only gainers, but they are gainers on a beam, which is helpful. And he's got a lot of things to pay for. He's got hidden around the cost two, too hot to handle cost three, and touching a stovetop, which costs two. So he wants to use all this. Absolutely, Chris. And this is once again why another reason why the Nova Burst is basically blank to me. You know what I mean? Yes. We've got we've got too many things to pay for that are too important. And that's why the Noverse is a last-ditch effort. Just dump everything in it, do a big attack, right? That's really how spenders are in this game, especially on lower threat characters, right? They're just going to be spenders less, right? I, I like it, though. I think it's super cool. Also, oh, I do, I love, too. I, I love think the name. I think it's excellent. Uh, I lo- Like I said, the fact that it's in the game is great. It's kind of like Heimdall's Overwatch ability, you know? I'm glad it was finally put into the game, and I'm yeah. excited to see it on some characters that can maybe utilize it a little better. And same for this. But awesome. we do have kind of a high roll innate ability here. It's pretty awesome. And it's it, it, it's a high skill cap too for mm-hmm. major returns. It is an innate ability, an innate superpower. It is called controlled burn. When the original human torch ends in advance, it gains one power for each character within range two of it with the incinerate special condition. So note that doesn't have to be enemy characters that can be friendly characters as well. But of course, he's not handing out incinerates to friendly characters, obviously. So yeah, this is awesome. This helps get around his power generation issues, gives him more power to do what he wants. Also, this is very fun, difficult to play, like Chris said, difficult to pull off, but very fun and synergistic with hit and run. Oh, yeah, because you can move up into that range to gain a few power. I mean, maybe if you're maybe really lucky. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe gain two or three power, pay for hit and run, do your burn, baby burn, get three power. Maybe, you know, there's a lot. There's, there's a lot of things that can add up, but it's all about sequencing. It's it's all about not overextending or at least having the power to pay for that hit and run to get away. It's He's a very complicated character. Absolutely. There's a lot of things that can trigger and like we'll talk about more of that in the affiliation stage. But of course, closing out his card, Chris, he has a couple of innates. Number one, flight. Not bad. He's a medium mover. He's not fast, but everything's slowing him down. And then he has the immunity to incinerate as we would expect. The man is made out of fire and phenomenal. Like you're not incinerating him. He's incinerating you. He's getting more power off the incinerates because his yeah. flames are getting powered up. Absolutely love the theme. Nothing changes on his backside. He, he's still the five stamina. Though I do think he's a much scarier character when he's flipped. Yeah, I believe that. So Chris, this is a cool and rewarding character. And what's super cool is like we talked about, you always want to hit and run. Keep in mind too with his hit and run that as long as you lay the burn baby burn down on like two characters, you can refund that hit and run, right? And right. kind of set him up again for future turns. Um, I find it very cool. Uh, he can also do interesting play patterns that's like hit and run, uh, perform an attack, get enough power from the burn baby burn from the gainers to actually now afford the touch, the too hot to handle. And you can move by someone at the end of the hit and run, grab the asset from them, right? And then ask questions of your opponent. I think it's absolutely amazing, though he's a very hard character to play with very, very short range attacks. And an affiliation which loves longer range attack. So that's some of his play patterns. He does have one card, which we're going to talk about before we get to affiliations. Mm. And it is a fun one. And spoiler alert, it's a shield card only. A new age 
Shield. So you have to be Shield affiliated to play this active. Jim Hammond spends three power to play this card. Once again, Chris, another thing that he's got to spend a ton of power on, right? It's tough. Each enemy character within range three of Jim Hammond gains the incinerate special condition. This round, when an allied shield character, specifically an allied shield character, is attacking an enemy character with the incinerate special condition. If the attack type of your shield character is energy, you would add two dice to the attack roll. Yeah, torches like basically lit everyone on fire and then you're just laying it on thick. More fire, more energy, more laser attacks into them being on fire. Chris, this is shields, attrition, ranged, energy version of all webbed up i think it has a ton of potential with him specifically because of that that innate power generating ability so throw this card down maybe do a hit and run well you're doing then six dice burn baby exactly yeah exactly six dice nova burst before you end your end your advance within two of three characters with It's good. Yeah. And keep in mind too, we didn't mention it, but I will mention it when he ends, you got to make sure like you do the order of the advances, right? To gain the power, right? It's like, if you want to pay for your stuff, right? You want to, if you want to steal something, you might have to just move first, right? And get the power for those things and then steal and move away. And that's okay. That's a okay play pattern, but this card. Okay. So this card, when it first came out, very fun, very strong with Hawkeye and stuff, but Outside of Hawkeye and the Howling Commando's energy grenade, their hydro grenade that they're throwing basically is how I, I theme it. They didn't have a lot of energy. Well, I got to say that Iron Man range four. Oh, yeah. With six dice is pretty nice. Well, it's really nice, which didn't even exist when he came out, Chris. Oh, I know. I know who we're going for. I mean, we love her. We don't get her on the table enough. She's so good. <laughs> Shield got her recently. It's Spider Woman. Both of her attacks are energy. They're both big, M- massive because she has these insane wild triggers, right? So think of a new age with her, less about more damage and just more about you're just going to get all the wild triggers off, right? You're going to get all those conditions on them with the nerve disruption. You're going to get um, the sensory overload on her spender that makes the enemy character walk short because they're, you know, they're being controlled by the toxins. So very cool, very powerful effect, very expensive to pay for. I think it's always in contention if Hawkeye's in your list, right? And yeah, he's dude. just hitting you seven dice strikes from range, right? He's putting the conditions on you. Hawkeye can even throw out more incinerates to give Jim mm-hmm. more viability. The tough part, once again, I say it every shield episode, but it's very real. The shield card strain is intense. And yeah. It's hard to find a spot for this card. I think it always makes your 10 if you're playing shield with Hammond, but I don't think it always makes your five even when he's on the table, you know? Interesting. I think it's like a, one of those things where it's like, we're playing the map, we're playing demons downtown. That's what I was thinking. And I just need to outgun line you, right? And this is this is a little bomb added to that, right? A bomb of, of, of extra strength in a faction that does not have good attacks, you know? Yeah. And it could be a big swing turn. For sure. Yeah, and I do keep in mind, too, that um, though the Commando's primary strike is physical, which we talked about last episode, on this turn, you're just going to double throw their grenade. Yeah, your grenades all day. Yeah, grenades are much better, right? Um, They're not normally very good, but they are on this turn. So Iron Man, Hawkeye, the Commando's grenade, and Spider-Woman... Black Widow, the Toothrite, has a has a four dice energy strike, and Agent Venom has uh, the incendiary grenades as well. He can turn on his grenades as well. Yep. Yeah, so a lot of options in Shield I was now. Completely excluding Black Widow because, well, I know, I know, because <laughs> she's scoring something. She's not. You don't, the, you don't necessarily want her anywhere near. Totally forgot about Agent Venom's grenade as well being 
energy. Not ideal for him, his grenade. No. Out of all his other attacks. But I mean, it's still know. range three, seven dice, auto incinerate for one. On that turn, it's five dice normally. <laughs> yeah, it's he's good. He's He's got the best grenade, turns he's, out. He's good. He's just so squishy. Um, also, it's really cool. Even if this doesn't do a lot of damage, it's almost worth it for, like I said, an EMAP. Everyone's clumped up and he just puts like four incinerates out, right? Exactly. You would pay three on a card to give out four incinerates, right? Because you got to think about it, Chris. I think people might get hyper fixated on, I got to do the energy text. I got to do it in this order and stuff. But really, you got to look at it. I just gave like a bunch of incinerates out and shields all about range. Incremental damage. Yeah, we talked about it every episode now. I've talked about the incremental damage and the saturation of weak attacks, but you've got a lot of them. So if you've got a saturation of weak attacks over and over and over again, of course, if your opponents are incinerated, your attacks are much more effective, right? These low dice pools. Right? Oh, yeah. So it's just a tool for that. I think you bring it for certain objectives, and those might come up more here in a moment in the affiliation corner, which we are going to right now, Chris. I mean... It should be obvious he is in shield. But what's interesting, once again, just like last week, that's his only team. I love that. Well, until we get the invaders, right? He's definitely going to be there. But we might not ever get the invaders. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah, I I love flight. I love the immunity to incinerate uh, as... Tools and shield? Tools and shield and for specific crises or against specific teams, you know? Yeah, he just he seems like a pretty niche pick that can do a job but you have to be smart about when you bring him for that job Mm, yeah of course that's what it seems like to me no you're absolutely right and we're going to talk about that right now so before we get into my affiliation corner we're going to talk about his viability and shield so he is further down the shield rung chris absolutely i had a i had a feeling and not because he's weak he's absolutely strong it's just he's a little bit less consistent because his attacks are closer range which they don't love quite frank we know the shield does not love yeah he also really only shines on certain maps, and that's okay. You know, this guy is your Demons Downtown specialist. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, I play this guy every time I can on Demons Downtown. He's won me so many games on Demons Downtown. He has because everyone's incinerated. He's getting all the power in the world. He's in everybody's face, and they don't really want to kill him and remove him. They want to remove your other models off the table. Yep. They don't want to give him power, but he's getting it nonetheless because of all the fire. So it's just, he's just a constant problem. And to add insult to injury, if you're playing maybe another gunline team or something, you can bring that a new age and just win the shooting war, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So he's awesome on Demons Downtown. Um, he won me a game of Warfare Weekend in the Shield Mirror on Demons Downtown. Nice. Right. He picked up, like he stole some cubes, shoot him a build out of there. That's a good play, man. That's a good play. Yeah. At worst, he's like a weaker black cat, right? Um, in that sense. So, But affiliated. But affiliated, exactly. And he gets to use cards like the Shieldmobile, right? So incredible. I think he shines demons, gamma, stuff like that. What's funny is like if you're playing a super attrition team on gamma, not maybe not good for him because he just gets removed quickly, you know? So he is tough to know when to play him. We did talk about and hint at early on his viability into certain teams in the game. And I'll just mention it. He's not a counter per se, but he is a tool in your tool belt against Guardians. I like that. Lots of energy attacks, mm-hmm. lots of powerful ranged attacks. He can and weather beams. that with his. Yeah, and he can weather beams that. Beams are good against Guardians. Yeah, because it gets around that bodyguard nonsense we we're talking about. And also, you can get to the models in the back that you might not be able to reach. You know, he also just 
lights Groot quite frankly on fire. I mean, we know Groot hates <laughs> yeah. fire. We know he hates energy. He's a tanky boy, but if you put enough energy into him, he will go down, especially if you stay focused. Don't start on him and they get off because then he'll start healing back. You know, that's rough. You got to Once you start on Groot, you got to go all the way. Can I just say He's Groot a, is a better than people think since the errata. He terrifies. He can be a problem on the right crisis setup. He's a problem. Rocket's a problem. Rocket's the, always a problem. The, they they are a five threat character. It's incredible. Rockets, yeah. Rockets, Rockets got cables like attack. Yeah, he's a two threat incendiary. character. Yeah. yeah, he's a two threat character. He's a tool in your tool belt against those guardians. Um, he can help you weather their energy storm for a while. He will go down. He will die, but that's okay. He's going to do a lot before he does. He's going to do a lot of damage, or he's going to steal some stuff. That's enough against guardians, quite frankly, these days because they're going to try to outtrition you, and you've got enough shield tricks in your bag to sustain out the points of the rest of the game, right? That they don't have. Um, so if he's taken that focus for a while and he has some average or above average defense energy defenses, he's netting you some actions. Like he's stealing actions from your opponent. You know what I mean? With the Guardian's attacks, which you need. Because like Nebula hits hard with energy. Starlord hits hard with energy. Rocket hits hard with energy. Um, they now have Agent Venom, like you said, Chris, with his grenades. So it's like Bill has energy attacks on his, his hammer. So yeah, they have access to physical too, but they're mainly an energy attacking team. So it's... It's good. It's good. It's very helpful. Um, I also think he's a cool tool against big boy characters, right? Because he is a way to steal from them and also put incendiaries on them. Two things that they hate. Hey, man, I had, I think I had four hammers on Bill in a game last night. Yeah, that's the, a perfect time to just like human, take Human Torch Bill. helps that, right? Because yeah. at the very worst, if he's flipped and you're flush on power, you force, force me to drop two hammers. Mm-hmm. And even if he doesn't pick them up, even if he just gets dazed or taken off the board bill's next activation he's forced mm-hmm. me to spend two power to pick those back up spend the time to do it and put attacks into him allowing you to maneuver around the board and set things up elsewhere while bill bill is dealing with this just annoying three threat character oh absolutely and chris you, you you set up a great point here where it's like at worst later game you can play him like a late activation black cat or like i play honey badger all the time oh yeah yeah, yeah. just I'm, pure kamikaze well i'm just saying like you could double walk him somewhere, make an opponent drop two things that thought they were scoring that round, and now they're not scoring them. Even if he can pick them up or not, it doesn't matter. You stop them from scoring like two assets, right? And it's just because he held back and was safe, and then he went late and walked somewhere and made them drop him, right? It's It's, It's great. Yeah, it's a lot like, uh, you know, classic old battles. You see these old, old movies, and they've got all the best soldiers just waiting there for an hour, watching everything happen. Okay, (laughs) now it's time, right? There you go. That's right. That's very useful in this game. Having a three threat character that can punch above their weight or bring some kind of specialized tool and really start to use them in the game, maybe late round two, round three, instead of just sitting back and scoring or or doing whatever they're doing to support. Now they're in there using this tool that they've always had, really causing a monkey wrench when your opponents maybe already settled into a play pattern that doesn't involve this this monkey wrench that you're about to throw, right? Oh, absolutely. It's always a threat, right? Like that he could just like make a game go another round because your opponent thought they were going to score out and then he made them drop one or two things. We're going another round, right? Or maybe I swung the points back in my favor. So I think he's a good toolbox piece and shield. Unfortunately, he's usually model number nine, 10 or 11, right? Like that's just how it is. Like shield is getting more options. They're getting more tools. They're getting better characters when they didn't have very great characters early on. They had a couple of staples and they have some, some toolbox characters like Hawkeye and stuff, right? So now he's another toolbox character. And I think if your meta is pretty attrition heavy, 
So lots of demons downtown. You know, you're playing demons downtown for shield. Most times he has a place um, and he might just be your demons downtown specialist. And that's okay. Or your specialist to, oh, there's an asset game with a lot of assets like cubes. I'm just going to bring him and have that thread of always stealing assets. But let's move on to some interesting splash teams he can go into on the affiliation corner, Chris. So starting off pretty simply, both Avengers team, he's good. The theme is right. I like him in the Sam Swarm. Theoretically, I like it a lot. He can go late, right? There's a lot of models on the table. He can do what he needs to do. And Steve's team, I mean, his economy is truly just online because hit and run costing one, the touch costing two instead of three. Absolutely amazing, right? Like you are just, he is at his best in teams like that. And he's also his best in Sam because it's like, he's very weak. He's very fragile character we've talked yes. about this i mean he has no defensive tech whatsoever except being good against energy attacks slightly he has no buff in his health on either side no rerolls nothing so incremental heals from sam's leadership very helpful like giving him like little healing factors very helpful but moving on and i think the theme makes sense with those teams too i mean he's clearly worked with cap for decades and decades right oh so yeah man cap calling him in makes perfect sense moving on he's pretty awesome and some classic teams like the classic Cabal team, because he's a character with beams, quite frank. Classic Red School, no one plays him anymore, but he has one of the best leaderships in the game, especially if you like build correctly, because it's just like you're always on like a million power, you know, because it's just, yeah. Oh, an attack happened, damage got through, I got another power. An attack happened, damage got through, I got another power. So, he's fine in that spot i also think he brings some incinerate which is helpful to those cabal teams i don't really think he has any place in teams like the criminals maybe in modok's team now being an option it's helpful because okay i got the wild i got my incinerate off great and now i'm just gonna get more damage through as well yeah and the rest of your team's just gonna get more damage through right and you have more chance like you can only do that once per turn in modok's leadership with the aim leadership but if you're doing a beam you're increasing your chances of finding a wild. Correct. And we also know, I think the most powerful part of Modoc's leadership, which a lot of people are kind of sweeping under the rug, and I think it's just because you just don't really think about it, but it's like people have done the math a lot smarter than me. And the Modoc leadership on defense is roughly the same math as Miles's defensive reroll for his team. So it's like the chances of you getting a wild that turns into another defense is roughly the same as like a reroll. Obviously, if you have bigger dice pools that math changes rerolls get better and blah 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 all this stuff but also you're more likely to find the wild right so it's cool that like even in modok's team he is a little bit more defensive which is great i like that him being around one more activation can be a big deal that's very true absolutely so we keep talking about humans because it's just one of the most powerful leaderships in the game i think he actually has playing in humans the theme is also fun because we talked about some of these cross these cross sections of stories but more importantly in Inhumans with him, just like I said, how Sam is powerful in humans, you're always threatening the charge with Sam, no matter what, you're just passing a power, right? With him, you're kind of always threatening either his hit and run or his touch with Inhumans, always. Yes, right? constantly. So, so he's actually quite powerful in this team. Also, late game, he can become a battery for your team because if everyone's incinerating, he's actually flush on power and he really doesn't want to do that spender, like I said, and get that close in. Yeah. He just passes power to the rest of the Inhumans. Very effective. Now, plus, I'm going to be trying him in very soon, Chris, because I'm finally about to do my deep dive into Midnight Suns. I've been talking about oh, all these yes. Midnight Suns. And quite frankly, he's going to be in my Midnight Suns team just as a Demons Downtown specialist. And that's okay. You know, I think they love Demons Downtown a lot. They've got Voodoo who's immune. They've got Ghost Rider who's immune. They've got characters that love to fight on the demons. Well, you add one more character that's immune and loves to fight on the demons that also actually has a lot of viability with bumping because if you bump him, 
you're willing to pay one to bump to set up a beam that gets another one to two more extra people in it than to get all that power back, right? Pretty He's sick. actually quite good in that team. I believe and that. He also gives them access to a second steal because they have Black Cat, and then you could potentially get another steal in that team. Also, the theme's cool. Fine. I mean, him and Ghost Rider rolling up, both being immune to incinerate, being on fire, it's fun. It's cool. Hey, being immune to incinerate is very nice right now don't sleep on that yeah seriously <laughs> that's half of bill's power right now i was gonna say the amount of times i said actually he's immune to that in the last couple of tournaments has been astounding absolutely now only a few places left because he's not really a plug and play character i do think he's very interesting in spider foes to give them a steal more incinerates and just turn all their attacks online. Cause we've talked about the power of spider foes that like their strikes aren't very good, but if they can get them through, they start putting conditions on you. They start building power. And when they build power, they can do everything. It's over, dude. It's like AMG built in a gate for them, which is their strikes, right? <laughs> everything else on their, on their cards is great. So if he can help their strikes, set them up, also give them access to a steel, which they already love extracts. They already dominate extracts in a lot of ways. It's very cool. And I also think he could become a Demon's Downtown Specialist for them as well. Um, not necessarily that you're going to take it in Spider-Foes, but if you get put on it, you're less scared now. I guess maybe another shooty team because you're like, well, you have a tool in your toolbox on Demon's Downtown. Last place I'm going to mention... I think it's just fun. I don't know how good it is. I do think it's actually very viable, but it's the Web Warriors. Giving the Web Warriors another steal, the way I view it is like if you have Black Cat, Miles, Spider Woman, and Human Torch, some combination of those characters, two, two to four of them on the table, you're always having the chess pieces set up like a true chess master, where it's, you know how all the true chess masters work, Chris, where it's, well, I've set up an attack with my bishop. If you kill my bishop, I, I immediately have another attack that will remove the model, remove the piece that removed my bishop that will then set up another attack that will put you in like a checkmate position. Web Warrior's biggest strength is they're mobile and that they can always just be, they can always win the extract war. Just always. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you have more ways to win the extract war and steals and also kind of have a tool on one of their worst maps, which is Demons Downtown, <laughs> quite frank, they hate it. They absolutely hate it because they can't get in. They can't get in centers. They just can't, Chris. And they can't fight on a slow scoring skewer. They just can't. They won't last long. That's that tight end, right? So he gives them two tools in that way. And I also like that he gives you another steal, but in a three threat character package. So it's like if you've got Miles Black Cat, what you frequently always do in Web Warriors, what? But you don't have the the money to spend in threat for Spider Woman. You just bring him. He's a three threat, right? She's a four threat. Clearly, she's much better than him in almost yes. every way. Yes. But it's like, that's okay because my goal was we're playing cubes and my goal is to have a third steal. And I have it. And it's very frustrating as an opponent where it's like, oh, got, I removed Black Cat or Day's Black Cat, right? But then they forgot about Torch. He double walks in, makes him drop something. And last but not least, Chris, most exciting, fun place. I mention it all the time, but I really do think... This is super fun and, and viable. Strucker's Hydra. Nice. I was gonna. I was going to mention mention them if you didn't. I thought I. I, I thought I was gonna get there, but you, you snatched it from me. Save the best for last. I wanted the most spicy, interesting pick. They are such an interesting pick, though, right? Such an interesting team. They're a very tough team to play, but giving Strucker and even Red Skull leaderships both access to a steal is good, and then the. The viability with Strucker on demons is just so strong and palpable for him where it's like, well, people are getting conditions. We're moving conditions all around. I'm giving people incinerate. I'm healing when I have a terrible health pool, right? So very cool pick in that team, quite honestly. And I think he 
slots right in pretty easily. You know, let's also not forget that I've mentioned multiple times with the second part of Hydra's leadership that should be acknowledged, even though it's not a leadership, is they have two characters you play all the time, the Barons, that have rerolls for your whole team, right? So it's like a character with beams rerolls like that just get out of control where it's like if he's by strucker or zemo and he lays the beam down over three people i mean it starts getting really scary really quick because your dice math is much better with a reroll on every beam attack right so i think hydra is a perfectly interesting place and i think the theme is right too because like i could easily see like red skull or strucker like reprogramming him or brainwashing him right big time or even or even creating a copy you know of him right and uh, like we didn't jump on the lore of it in our beginning of strategy but he has low mystic defense because like there there's things there he is an android he gets, you know yeah, he gets like, messed with a lot yeah he gets messed with a lot poor guy so those are my affiliations fun try him out i think he's actually really good in a lot of these spaces but you know chris we've talked about on the show a lot perfectly fine to have a character that is just absolutely stellar in their team and that's it yeah especially with the amount of models we have in this game and of course it's only getting bigger and bigger so not yeah. not every model can be <laughs> no be like you know if if everything was balanced perfectly this would be the most boring game ever and you know it's just you've got to have that bell curve to keep the interest and that's what affiliations are for you know it, as far as like a play mechanic goes is a it's different styles of play but it's making these different characters viable in different teams which just brings up the amount of viable characters in the game, which is the smartest way to do it when we're talking about such a complicated game <laughs> that has so many nuances that play with each other back in it's Options. it's just nuts. And every character just every character introduced is just another way to accidentally break the game. Well absolutely and case the point of that is like I played Jim Hammond competitively at Warfare Weekend back in just November. It wasn't that long ago. And since November He's actually gotten a lot better because the crisis changed, kind of reining things in. And also, a new age just got dramatically better. Like, as Chris said, we got Spider Woman, we got Agent Venom. So, we got access to more energy attacks, we got access to more shield models. So, like, people for maybe people have already maybe forgot about him in some ways, but it's like he just got better because a new age is always a threat. (laughs) And it was just not when when he first came out, there was just frankly not many, especially ranged energy attacks. There's just not. You know, so it yeah. it is what it is, and I think it's just already gotten better, and we'll get better. I assume in the future as Shield gets more models that might have energy attacks, for sure. So it's cool, and I think he's a character that if you've slept on, you should try. His model's really fun, really well done on by MG and Fire on the base, so good. And if you're a Shield player, give him give him a shot in the very least. Fury's finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash furies finest find us on twitter at furies finest cast and everywhere else online instagram facebook and twitch at furies finest email us at furies finest at gmail.com with any questions reviews collaborations and leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice it really helps us out thanks to approaching nirvana for the music and like jesse said help spread the word rate review subscribe it means the world to us you guys are awesome Absolutely. Of course, you can find Chris and I on various spaces online. You can find me, Jesse, on Twitter, Instagram, and Longshanks at Jesse Aiken. Longshanks is the most active. <laughs> Longshanks and Discord if you want to find me there. And of course, check out my Star Wars Shatterpoint podcast. Hello there, a Star Wars Shatterpoint podcast. It can be found everywhere we have podcasts or socials. You can also find it on social media at Hello There Cast. Exciting, Chris. We are creeping up on that Shatterpoint launch weekend very quickly. It's coming up. 
it's it's a month away. It's awesome. Oof. Oof. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. We'll see how long uh, I'm on there. Sounds good. Well, we hope you guys have been enjoying this legacy character episode. I feel like we've gotten a lot better at these legacy episodes, Chris, quite honestly, over the years, because sometimes they're really tough. They really were. They're a lot better now that I've kind of settled into my my form and my style on lore instead of trying to like copy copy other people's that I that I admire and things. Mm, but uh, fair. Well, we've come to an understanding too. You and I did that a couple years in that like legacy characters. It's a lot about distilling who they are, what they yes. are, what their powers are, and that's really that's, what you can do. I think, I think, I think that's it's what better. Most characters are anymore. Absolutely. Because we can I knowing what a character represents and and what to expect from their stories and kind of what they are about, I think tells you more about the character than knowing what they did exactly in mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man, you know, uh issue number 97. Nothing against that. I I am so jealous of people that have that kind of memory, but Sure. For for a, a show like ours and how we're doing this, you know, I want you to go read the comics. I want you to know what that character's about on the table. Not necessarily every go through a laundry list of every little thing they've done. No, absolutely. And we found a fun, comfortable place to do that very thing, focusing on a comic arc and things like that with our second and third iteration. Oh, I know. They're so fun. Yeah. Where it's like, we'll do like a Hulkbuster episode. And Chris is like, well, let's talk about, let's talk about Hulk (laughs) mainly in this episode and the Gundam Hulkbuster. It was worth it because that was so cool. Yeah, that was so cool. <laughs> that Hulk well, is terrifying. And wait, just dude, the Immortal Hulk episode is going to be awesome. I cannot wait. Oh my gosh, go so go read uh go read Immortal Hulk the the series now. Get ready, get ready, it's everybody. So good. A couple more Shield episodes left, and we're going to start some new exciting series after that. And of course, we're going to return to the news very soon. But until next time, thanks for listening, true believers. Excelsior. has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 